Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. To be with all of you today, that was Hurricane by O-D-D-A-C, yeah. So we have a fun show for you today. We have O-D-D-A-C, and we're expecting another guest, which is Adam Rogers. Oh, my God, this man has been all over the world, United Nations, development program, and so many things. So we're, wait, we're pretty sure he's going to be on. The show is pre-recorded, as this is our third show that we have reformatted to connect with music and art and everything with nonprofit organizations and the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So um, it's a different type of show than what Jay Logan and I have been doing as Gail Davis Carter. And um, we invite you to just sit back and enjoy. We're pre-recording them because we just want to kind of test them out. And as of next week, we'll go 100% live. And um, I'm going to bring on Mr. J. Logan, my favorite, favorite friend in the whole wide world. Hey, hey, Mr. J. How are you today? Hi, Gail. I am so, so, so excited today. We have a wonderful show. So glad to talk to you. I know you're way out in New York. Um, I guess you guys might got better weather. You know, always start off with the weather out there. You know, it's been yes, raining out we here. We have better weather today. <laughs> That's good for you because I don't feel bad for you, okay? San Francisco <laughs> has pretty decent weather all year round. I do not feel sorry for you. I'm looking out the window. It's sunny. It's gorgeous. I can't wait <sighs> to get out there. I mean, I mean, I love our guests, 
but I cannot wait to get out there. I am super, super, super excited about these guys being on today, and music is our thing, so um, let's start with some good news today. Any good news for us today? today? Uh, yeah, we have, we have some wonderful good news. First of all, um, um, I would like to say that right now we have parents are turning to insurance to protect the costs of their kids' education. So I wonder how that works, Gil, because, you know, they're getting insurance to make sure, if, you know, if they're going to school, um, they can make sure they don't lose their money. And it's like if you put $60,000 in your kid's tuition and let's say he breaks his leg, can I get my money back? Oh, no, you know. Hey, you know, they used to couldn't do those things, but now they have um, companies that will kind of insure you a little bit um, but, you know, most tuition insurance will only kick in if the student withdraws due to unexpected medical necessities. So that's something that's new that's happening, you know, so kids that aren't able to uh, continue school due to some act of, uh, you know, nature, they can get some of their money back. You know, it's not all. Maybe not all of it, Gail, but um, some of it. Um, that, and that's, that's good. So we have that, uh, that news to report. And the other thing we have is um, – Huawei uh, is um, it's a, it's a Chinese company that makes phones and they make all these different type of electronic devices. So they they have problems now with the tariffs um, uh, and the things that we're doing to uh, China to raise the price of all the taxes and things that carry on. Um, they cannot buy these chips that are in all of these computers and phones because now they're too expensive to buy and uh, our country is not providing the deal that's necessary for the Chinese efforts to become a global force in high technology. So we'll see how that story goes on. Um, China is heavily relying on importing computer chips from our country and um, they don't have a great semiconductor industry yet and so they need us, America, to make these chips for them. So hopefully that works as well, Gil. We'll see how that does. And the final thing I have to say is uh, in the music news, um, you guys remember Whitney Houston. I know everybody remembers Whitney Houston. Well, they just announced there's going to be a Whitney Houston hologram tour. Um, and I a new album that. in the works. <laughs> wow. So this is going to happen um, th- this year coming up here. Um, it's been seven years. Um, um, the hologram is to produce the evening with Whitney Houston. The, the company will reveal a statement uh, this Monday coming up. And um, I just can't wait to see Whitney Houston again. You know, I know it's a hologram. Um, I know it's not the same thing. But it's, it's great to see her legacy. And so I'm going to be waiting for that. Yeah, that's very interesting, you know. So let's, let's, let's see what happens with that. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. But before we go any further... We've got to bring on our new friends, and they're going to tell us everything about them and everything. So are you ready to bring on the guys, Jay? Yeah, I just want to say, I think the deal is Kali, Aiden, and Brayton. So, yeah, those guys I want to bring on. I hope I don't get confused, okay? Okay? But that's why I want to give you the names real quick. (laughs) You know we're young, so we'll forget. Um, Okay. Okay, gentlemen, you are on. How are you? I am Gail. It is so nice to meet you guys. Hello. Nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet you. Oh, this is so cool to have you guys on. Now, if I get confused with your names, 
Remember, it's because I'm really young, okay? And when you're young, <laughs> you forget names. Is that okay with you guys? That's funny. Yeah, yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, because, you know, we're young. When you're young, you just forget everything. You know, when you're when yeah. you're younger, you get old. and You, you know how that guy, you know how that goes, guys, right? So, <laughs> yeah, guys. I get it. <laughs> so, I'm Gail, and, of course, you know Jay. And Jay and I have been partners since, Oh God, 2009, doing so many different and wonderful things in music, development for other countries and things of that nature. So we're so glad to have you on. So I hope you can hang with us young people. You know what I mean? So yeah. guys, yeah. we just ask you that. For sure. You ask the you you answer each question, but don't tell us too much because then you'll give away all your good stuff. Is that okay? Is that okay with you? Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. All right, so first tell us your names before each question so we definitely don't get confused. And so my first question is, how old are you guys? And to protect, you know, just to protect you as young guys, just tell us what state you're in. So how old is each of you, each of your names, and what state you're in? I am am 12 years old. And I am in (laughs) California. Who is I? All right, who's that? Who's I? I'm Braden. Oh, wait. Wait. That was Kalai. Wait. That was Kalai. Okay, got it. I'm Braden. I'm the drummer, and I'm 12 years old, and I live in California, too. Okay, and who's the third one? I am Aiden Daniel. I am 15 and a half, and I am the lead singer, rhythm guitarist. Oh, okay. I see now. So... I'm going to come with my first question, remember, because like I said, I know I'm going to get confused. But um, now we know you have this cool band called ODDAC. How did you guys get started? And say your names again before you, get, when, before you tell us, because we don't want to get confused. So how did you guys get started? Your band seems so cool, and I can't wait to get into more with you. Can I go first? Well, oh, yeah. Uh, so... Um. Uh, our name is Odyssey. It's pronounced Odyssey, like the Odyssey, the book. Um, we started out at well, Aiden and I started out with a few other guys, and then we started. Him and I started writing music together. It was one one time we went to my house and had a sleepover, and we decided, you know what. We should make a hit single right now, right here. And then we decided to write, and I came up with a simple rift. And um, that's how we came up with Hurricane. And Aiden. Oh, wow. Say something for Aiden. I... Yeah. Say <laughs> what? Say something for Aiden. Say something for Aiden. Yes. Say some for them so they can talk to you so that we don't forget them. Oh, yeah. Aiden, go. <laughs> yeah, so after um, after you wrote the song and stuff, you went and recorded it in the studio. It was pretty cool. And then we need to do some live gigs, so then we look for a drummer. And I've watched, I've been a fan of Braden for a long time. Uh, we do, I've seen him at talent shows and stuff. So I saw him, I'm like, yo, let's get this kid. And he, he agreed. So 
now we're here. <laughs> well, Jay, I know you Bring had a question Bain. for that. Well, Baden, what did you got to say about this stuff? You know, on Gail's question. Well, I was, uh, it was funny because when Aiden called me, I was in Olympia, Washington uh, for Thanksgiving, I think. Well, no, not for Thanksgiving, just uh, at a friend's house. And I got the call, and I heard we had a show in like a month. And so when I got back, I had to practice super hard, and it was it was crazy. And then we played his backyard for his birthday party. Wow. Well, Jay, I know you have a question for them. Yes, and you guys can be really quick on this question. Uh, so just one, two, three, boom. Um, what's the best thing about being in a band? The feeling. Yeah. I agree. The relationship, kind of, you know. It's got like a, it's, it's, it's energetic. It's addicting to play music, so it's something I love to do when I want to keep doing. Yeah. And to do it with like and the ability to be creative as well. Yeah. I heard one of you say relationship. Was that Brayden? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Brayden, can you say a little bit more about what it's like to be young guys in a band? And in a relationship, Jay. I'm sorry I threw a question in there, but that really hit me. Um, well, question. you kind of become brothers once you're in a band because you're practicing so much and you're just getting along, and you kind of get to have a special relationship with other people you didn't even know you could have a relationship with. Oh, that's really really cool, Brayden. So my next question goes right into what you just said. Why do you guys love music so much, and what instruments do you play? Um, um, I like I play the guitar, and I I have been playing for two years. I started out um on my eleventh birthday, or no 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 um my twelfth birthday yeah, so. Twelve. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm learning and, something here. Um, I play the drums, and uh, well, I uh, started out when I was two and a half years old, and because wow. uh, I was banging on the furniture, so my grandma bought me a drum set for Christmas, and that was kind of how it went over and then I kind of branched on to guitar and bass some and yeah yeah and Pretty I was cool. uh yeah, I started out on the violin actually when I was 11 and it kind of translated to the guitar in a really helpful way so I started my instrumentation whatever you want to call it Jay wow. can I have some more <laughs> questions I have to ask this. I'm a a violin player, so that's my favorite. How did violin help you transition into guitar? Well, it really, uh, because there's no frets on the violin, so you have to really train your ear to the notes. And uh, that helped train my ear. And also, I had to learn how to, like, press the string hard enough to get a good sound out of it. So uh, when I switched to guitar, 
I had a really good um, um, sense of strings, I guess you could say. Wow. Well, Jay, I have no more. I, I know you have a question coming in. I got so excited about that one. I, I, I didn't know you played violin. Gail. I'm learning all kinds of stuff. Wow, that's great. Um, I might have to. We might have to use Gail on some of the Odyssey tracks. I don't know you guys. You know what? She might be good on that violin. So you guys be careful. She's hot. <laughs> uh, but I got I got just put in there real deal. So Brayden, you've been playing since you were two years old. So you, actually, you've been playing longer than everybody else. Is that what I'm what I'm kind of hearing? Like you're the old guy, even though you're only twelve, you've still been beating you're beating everybody else as far as the longevity. Is that what's going on? Ad, yeah, Brayden, so. I don't know. <laughs> so you're the old man. He's the old man. Clyde, you're the baby. Not and um, not in age. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Clyde yeah. is amazing. Two years, and you've been and you're that good. I don't know what you're eating, but I want some of those Wheaties, whatever you're eating, because yeah. you sound great. It's man. music protein, um, baby. <laughs> well, we, me and Gail want some of that. Now, this is a question that me and Gail came up with. Now, this is a very important question. Because we wonder, you know, because me and Gail, you know, we're young. We're, you know, we're not young as you guys, but we're close, you know. So my question is, do you guys, like we do, do you guys still watch TV and play video games and sports and do the things that regular kids do? And if so, what's your favorite video game in sports or TV shows? Let me tell you. Um, I still play video games, but not as much TV because of how busy I've been with the band in school. And I play three sports currently. Um, I play football and rugby, which are my favorite, and I swim as well. And um, that yeah, and um, I also love Callie? playing tennis as a hobby. Now was that Callie? Yeah, yes, yes. Callie. Kalai. Okay, Kalai. I'm sorry, Kalai. It's, it's Kalai. All right. Okay, and uh, this is Braden. I uh, still play video games, yes. My favorite video game is uh, probably Fortnite or NBA 2K19. Um, I play two yeah. sports, baseball and basketball, and I'm not really too much of a TV person. You know, it's just not my thing, but, yeah, so I still do that. And, uh, okay. Aiden. And, like, I don't really watch too much TV unless it's the Warriors. I love basketball. It's, like, a hobby of mine. Um, and other than that, I don't watch too much TV. I don't play too much video games anymore. I can be really big on it. But I kind of just got obsessed with music. Got it. So, you know, some of your video games, Jay, are my favorite. But I'm going to go into the next question. I'm going to kind of <laughs> mix this question up a little different. You know, now that you you three young men are musicians, you're musicians. You're going. You're going to be going out on tour soon, and you're so young. I'd like to know what, how, how you know, in order to keep with all the activities you have going on, you're musician, musician soon to tour the world. Do you eat healthy? And if so, what kind of foods do you eat? All right. So this is Kalai. Um... I personally love eating healthy things such as uh, spinach, mushrooms, all that protein. And every day I drink a protein shake. Um, I like to get as many proteins as possible 
and I balance that out with uh, carbs, and I love to work out as well, lifting and uh, running or uh, running. Fantastic. And I... Oh, Brayden, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I I like eating healthy for sure. I like broccoli and mushrooms, like I said, and, you know, just just generally healthy stuff. Nothing like, I'm not going to go as far as, like, making veggie shakes and stuff, but that's what my mom does. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And this okay. is Aiden, and uh, you know I like I like myself a good uh, bowl of cereal in the morning, and like I snack throughout the day. I eat like I guess I eat like a teenager. I don't know what I don't really know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. So you like hamburgers and stuff? Oh yeah, I love hamburgers. In and out is the best. <laughs> In and Out Burger. Oh my God. Yeah. I love In and Out. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I you have stuff a... too. <laughs> yeah. It's like whenever we're done with the gig, usually me and my dad run over to In and Out. The truth comes That's out, cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The cool. Yeah. We're, we're like we eat that stuff, and we we love In and Out Burger. That's cool beans, guys. So Jay, I know you had a question for them too. Yes, and me and Gil came up with this question, so we wanted to ask you this, and you guys can, you know, this, this is how you guys are going to teach us. So if me and Gil was your age, how would you guys tell us to practice our instruments? And how long should we practice? No deal. Well, all right. I, yeah. You should always, <laughs> when you're, uh, I guess, younger, I guess you have more of a sense of creativity and you're a little uh, less busy with grown-up things, I guess, <laughs> I dare say. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, got to find a way to constantly fuel the drive to do it, and um, kind of, I guess, think immaturely because, like, um, dreaming is something I've always been. I'm a big dreamer. I've dreamed of touring and doing music and stuff. To a lot of adults, I'd say it sounds a little far fetched, but if but when you're young, you just have that want and you that drive to do it. So. Just got to feed that. Yeah, this is Kali. Um, I personally think that thinking ahead will um, help you improve in the long run because you're constantly thinking, oh, I should practice these scales. Maybe I'll become as good as, let's say, um, Prince's solos or uh, the slash, all of these things, and um, just practice and practice. But you got to think ahead and you got to know what these things do for you and how good they are, no matter how boring they are, these exercises. <laughs> Wonderful. For sure, for sure. My, my dad's always okay. telling me to keep going ahead and just always practice. I practice eh, for hours, two hours a day maybe, and always have to practice for sure because it's a big part in becoming a great musician. This is so true, guys. This is so true. But I, I, I know you guys are going to laugh. Uh, when you get older, you're still creative, guys. <laughs> we're, we're still creative when we get older. As a matter of fact, guys, when you get older, you 
you honor your creativity even more because, like you said, you know, as adults, we don't have as much time. And one of the things, Jay, I love that all three of them said is think ahead. You know, sometimes as adults we do forget to think ahead or we think that we know, you know. So that's a really great reminder, which brings me to the next thing. How do you think music changes the world? And how do you think your music will change the world? So I'm going to say that again. How do you think music changes the world? And how do you think your music is going to change the world? And, guys, please say your name before you speak. All right. This is Kalai. Um, The world would be pretty boring without music, if you think about it. And also, there's a lot of problems, global problems that are happening right now, and people are just writing about it. And maybe it would go to people's minds and they would think about it to solve the problem. Like um, the song, Earth Song, and um, the uh, We Love the Earth by Lil Dicky, um, stuff like that. You know, it it can really inspire people to do, to help solve these problems. Powerful. Very powerful. Mr. Braden? Yeah, for sure. The the world, it, I mean, music definitely makes the world go round because it's it's kind of a thing everybody needs, honestly. Because if you're feeling down or something, you could just listen to music. It could bring your mood up and stuff. It's it's helpful. It's a powerful thing. And the last but not least, Mister, is it Aiden or Mister? Kalai. Okay, um, you know what? <laughs> Whoever didn't go. <laughs> Aiden. Aiden, yeah, go ahead. Well, Whoever didn't go. <laughs> yeah, Aiden. Or, oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, music hits spot emotionally that um, a lot of things can't really get to. So when there's like, um, like the Michael Jackson... He has an Earth song, and that song was really eye-opening to me on, like, how we're essentially destroying the world, and there's so much we can do to save it. And, you know, yeah. (laughs) That's so cool, guys. That's so cool. That is so, so cool. Wow. Yeah, I mean, are you guys, yes, I do. And and this is to all you guys. Are you guys excited about your new song, Hurricane, your new video? And tell us Heck about yeah. it. Yeah, I yeah, am. Yeah, <laughs> That's it? We want to hear more. Come on, guys. Um, I really want everyone to hear this song. Um, I already have a bunch of friends who added this song to my to their playlist, and, they, and they're just coming up to me and saying, Good job on the song. This this is great, and I love that solo you put there. But it's just like, yeah, it feels good. It does because you're That's finally, cool. like, you're actually getting spread, kind of, and everyone's kind of knowing. Like, the people in my city are coming up to me and saying, "Oh wow, you're that kid from that music video." It's kind of yep. feels good. It really does. Yeah, people talk to me all the time. Like, hey, Mr. Hurricane, I'm like, who the heck are you? And they're like, 
hey, you're that music video guy. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> That's cool. You know, I've got a really wild question next. And so we talk about Hurricane. So, as you know, we're United Nations partners, and we're also part of a, a, a UN NGOs. And so there's something called the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Sustainable. And the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And the UN created it for each and every one of us so that we'll have a better quality of life, leaving no one behind in the year 2030. So, as you know, we're dealing with a lot of climate issues right now. And I really want to know, as young people, what do you think about the current state of climate and what do you want to do about it? All right, this is Kalai. Um, I personally think it's scary, and it's really um, – it's a really bizarre thing, you know, and I feel that we as a world should – or we as a band, actually, should, like, try to get our music out and maybe change that. You know, plastic is being dumped into the seas all the, every day, every minute, and um, it's – contaminating all the sea life and I personally think that that's scary and a lot of what seafood we eat is just toxins in our bodies and and yeah that's really what I think now that was Kalai yeah. right yes okay. I feel like people now, we, I think educated on these things well, definitely, Kalai, before we hang up, we will share with you and your parents where to go. There is something on the United Nations website called the Lazy Person's Guide to the Sustainable Development Goals. And there's other areas that you can learn more. Today is actually World Biodiversity Day. And there's been news reports wow. out of the human extinction of over, I think, a million species or so. I may be incorrect on the number. But we're we're going into extinction of a lot of our species that we need for the biodiversity of our country and of our world and of the earth. And and remember, it's not just about us. We have mammals that are living that all life is important. So, Brave Dundo, you have to go on. I could go on about this. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. What was that? Um, Your turn. My turn? Your turn. Yes, it is. Okay. Well, climate change is certainly a problem right now. Well, first of all, because I care about polar bears for sure, and they're just so cute, and the ice caps are melting, and they're drowning. Like, that's a problem. Plus, yeah, seafood is getting contaminated and stuff like that. It's It's pretty... Pretty dangerous, but you can eat uh, sustainable fish. So, I mean, pretty scary, honestly. It is, and each of you can take an action that will make a difference and tell your friends and tell your friends' friends and keep going. It will make the biggest difference. So, Aiden, you're the man. You're the one left to share with us your thoughts. Well, like I just heard, yes, I was actually talking to a, this lady yesterday, and she's telling me how the sea levels are like rising in San Francisco, and how it's like half, like parts of the city is gonna have to be 
vacated, and that was kind of that's kind of new to me. Like I didn't know what's happening. So I'm trying to figure out things that I could do and talk about it with people. And you know, but ultimately, I just have to trust the man upstairs and hope that he's gonna do something good with it. And the man upstairs helps you to also take actions too. Each one of us can take an action because the man upstairs helps us who help ourselves. One thing I wanted to say to all of you, you can look on the United Nations website or you can Google United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And, Aiden, I wanted to just say something to what you said. I was in San Francisco late last year. And from the year prior, we were going across the Golden Gate Bridge, and I noticed that the water had risen dramatically. And it was scary to me how far up the water was, to be honest with you and that I was actually going across the bridge and experiencing that. You know, as someone who I feel very humbled to not only be working with my business partner, Jay, for so many years, but I'm humbled to be at the UN every day, not just to be there, but to learn, to listen, and to also travel other countries finding solutions to the sustainable development goals and mixing music and all of these things. Because a lot of people don't know what we do because we're very quiet about it, but we won't be for long shortly. But I really thank you guys. You guys were such a breath of fresh air. We're going to make sure Hurricane gets out there. We'd love to have you work with Jay and I around some United Nations initiatives and uh, get you guys involved. And um, you guys are going to blow it out being artists, doing so well in your academics at school as well, and then getting ready to tour the world with your music. Oh, my God, your parents have done such a great job with you, and you've done a great job with yourself. So thank you for being on our show today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. You guys are coming back, too, right? You guys are going to come back to see me and Gail? You know, don't, when you get famous, you're going to come back. You know, we need you to come. Is that fair to ask? Aiden and <laughs> oh, dinner. We get dinner too, Jess. Yeah. Oh, oh, he's going to buy us a whole. I'm going to yeah, hold you to yeah, that. Gonna, yeah, 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 when he get the hit, 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 oh, no. Braden's going to come back and uh, <laughs> get us some fish that Fishy was talking about, you know. Exactly. Sure well, I'm really excited. And, and thank you for being on. And uh, we have to bring our next guest on. And I look so forward to talking with you. And please send our best to your mothers and fathers. All right. Thank you, Gail. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you right. so much. Thank you. And Jay. Thanks, Odyssey. Thanks, Odyssey. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Thanks, Odyssey, guys. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Thank Jay, you. That was, that was really exciting, Jay, wasn't it? <laughs> that was so so much fun. I felt like them, like, you know. We... Oh, my goodness. I think I just took my co-host off. <laughs> Well, folks, he's going to come right back in. Just give me one second, and he will be dialing back in. And uh, we will be bringing on, I cannot wait to talk to him, Adam Rogers. Oh, my God, I absolutely love this man. We are on Twitter together. We do so many things uh, on Twitter together and talking with other people about the sustainable development goals and so forth. He's written two books. Jay, I brought you back on. I'm sorry I, I let you go. I was just sharing with everyone about um, Adam Rogers, and I'm so excited. He's formerly with uh, – he put in 22 years 
as uh, in the United Nations Development Program. He's a strategic uh, communication consultant. He's traveled around the world. He's written two books. I mean, I cannot wait to talk to him, Jay. I've been dying to do it. And he's been doing like a storytelling session live on Facebook the last couple of weeks. It's been amazing. So I know you can't wait to get in and talk to him because we love to talk about this. So without further ado, we're going to bring on Mr. Adam Rogers. Mr. Rogers, how are you? I'm great. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for the invite. I, I really oh, enjoyed no the last problem. interview. <laughs> yeah, they were so much fun. They were so much fun. And we can't wait to, you know, work with them further. But, Adam, it's so great to have you. And please meet my co-host, Jay Logan. Hi, Adam. Hello, Jay. How are you? How are you? All right. I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. Today. Well, Adam, I'm, I'm up in New Haven, it Connecticut. It is gorgeous. <laughs> yes, it's gorgeous. We we often tease Jay because he's in uh, San yeah, Francisco. Yeah. He usually has the better weather. Yeah, be, be careful, Adam and Dale. You know, our weather out here is not that good. Don't rub it in now. My feelings. <laughs> yeah, who was it that said the coldest? Who was it that said the coldest winter I ever experienced was a summer in San Francisco? Oh, yes, you said, it's really true. That's, that's a famous you know, quote. You've been here. You know. It sounds like Mark Twain, but I don't know what it is. I'll have to Google that one. Yeah. That, that, that wind will blow you out. It's almost as bad as Chicago, yeah. but not quite. It's still like it's cold. Yeah. Well, you know, Adam, city, I, I don't I even it. know where it is. And, Adam, we don't really know where to begin with you. I mean, you are so amazing. There's so much to your background. You've been a writer. Actually, Jay, he's been a goal, a gold prospector, a chef. Explorer, photographer, worked with the UN, environment, climate, traveled the world. Wow. With all of these experiences, Adam, what would you say has been the most inspiring moment to change your life? Uh, it's hard. Let me think. You know, I, I always say people ask me what my favorite country is, and I say I don't have a favorite country. I have a, a favorite uh, planet. And um, that, well, my answer usually to what, my favorite moment would be the, the here and now. It's in the here and now that where we get inspired really to, to, to change and to, to grow. Um, but in my life, I'd say um, early on, I, um, I backpacked. When I was 18, I set off with a backpack um, with a vision to keep going east until I ended up in the west, and, which I did. It took me five years through 50 countries on a shoestring budget of less than $100 a month. Uh, but over those five years in 50 countries, mostly in the developing world. I hitchhiked from the Yukon Territory where I grew up next to Alaska um, to New York, and I bought a one-way ticket to Senegal. So I was an 18-year-old kid, you know, skinny white kid out of a Canadian winter, arrived at the airport in Dakar, Senegal, without knowing anyone in the city, the country, or the entire continent. And from there, I set off exploring uh, the world. And the, the experiences I had over those five years um, are what uh, sort of formed the basis for the first edition of a travel book I wrote early in the 1990s. Uh, the third edition of that book just came out last November, um, but uh, it was called The Intrepid Traveler, and so I outlined a lot of the experiences, but um, I've traveled across Africa from Senegal across to Ethiopia and Egypt all the way to Zimbabwe. At the time, I refused to go into South Africa because it was during the, the reign of the apartheid regime, but I made it to the border. I did a U-turn, went straight back up into Rwanda, Burundi, and then Uganda, and then I set off across Asia wow. from Pakistan all the way across to, to Korea. Um, and then came back. I, I did the full circle around the globe uh, back in the Yukon Territory. Right? I ended up traveling from Korea to wow. Anchorage and over to Whitehorse. It was at Haines Junction. I remember there's a little cafe there called the Cozy Corner. 
and I knew the exact spot that marked the place that I went around the world. And so that experience built a lot of confidence wow. and gave me a lot of insights. And um, since then, I've been around the world several more times. But that was between the age of 18 and 24. So when I came back when I was 24. Wow. And then I w- went and got a degree and moved to L.A. You know, I was in, living in California for a while as well. But, you know, well, I know Jay has I, uh, a question for you as well. Yeah, it has, it has to do with you know, how you can travel in the world. And I guess I guess it's that thing that they say you can travel the world in 80 days. Maybe that's not true. Maybe I don't know, Adam. I'm just wondering because you, you you can let us know because you've done it. Uh, <laughs> but so you traveled the you traveled worldwide. So what have you learned from your travels about people and what do they have in common? People have everything in common. I mean, they have, and they have a lot more in common than we realize when you travel to the far reaches of the globe and you experience cultures that on the surface um, appear to be very different from our own. And actually you don't even have to travel to the far reaches of the globe. You can go around the block in New York city. Um, but when you really connect with these cultures and observe them and try to feel them, you know, with, and see them with your heart rather than just with the head, you start to realize that um, every cultural expression in a way is like a, thread in the fabric of humanity and expression of our own humanity that we have that we just need to connect with because this is all wow. we're all connected in this family of humanity it's it's uncanny and there are some things that we all have you know we, we fall in love you know if we um, um, have children in a family we care about our children we care about our parents we um, have our needs those things are, are very common um, and how we go about pursuing those needs but how we express our hearts and our creativity um, comes out in different ways depending on the, on the cultural mosaic, but it's all part of our own. So we could be, you know, with a, a group of uh, of uh, Sufis or, or whirling dervishes in the Middle East, or uh, with um, you know with a, with a ceremony with Mayan Indians in Guatemala, or in a Hindu ashram in, in Gujarat. Or, and you, when you start to see and feel it with your heart, it, it, you feel it as an expression of your own of your own humanity. You you feel that we're all in it. It's not us and them. That's the key. Mm-hmm. A lot of the problems in this world are created by this dichotomy of this need for sort of unenlightenment. So when you see the world with your head, you need to see us and them because you see yourself in juxtaposition or in difference to them. And then the them has to be lower, somehow pushed down to give it a sense of your ego, a sense of self-importance. But when you connect with the heart, when you see with the heart, it's just us. The them is an illusion because there's just us. And then when, mm, you, um, powerful, when you really open your heart further, you open your heart further than that. This is mind-blowing. You connect with biodiversity as us. Hmm. And then you, you start mm. to feel the vibration of all. So it's in, in a sense, it's, it's uh, related to my new book coming out next week called The, the No Mammal Manifesto. And that lays out... Um, Adam, don't, Adam um, don't give out all the goodies yeah, too yeah. quickly. Don't give, don't okay. give out all the goodies. All right. Well, That's a teaser. There we go. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that was there's biodiversity. Yeah, there. <laughs> All right, more questions. Yeah, don't take my yeah, question. So, don't, don't take my question away okay. from me. All right. So. Okay, Adam, you read. You know, one of the things um, I've traveled not as extensively as you, but I've been to at least forty countries, thirty-five, forty, around the world. And um, when you, I, I loved when you were doing the storytelling the other day. You read from your book. And one of my favorite things you talked about, as I caught you right when you were talking about culture, okay? And one of the things I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you about is, how do you feel about this statement? 
I feel that you must see through the lens of people of a country to first understand them and connect so that you really get that we're all the same. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, yeah absolutely. But seeing it with, through, with your heart through the lens, because as the little prince pointed out, you know, it's only with the heart that we can see correctly that what is uh, essential is invisible to the eye. And then the eye can fool you. And with the, the, the eye sees superficialities, you know, like color or, or you know, shape of the eyes or um, the, eye, the eye sees something, you know, different than what I'm used to. But the heart sees things as they are, and the heart is without judgment. And the heart can really see to the lens, you know. Otherwise, I think just mm. with seeing with the eyes and, and the head, can create some tension, and then there's an S and M again, and your you know your comfort zone. You want to retreat to a comfort zone kind of thing. But yeah, seeing through the lens, mm. you know, the culture in a country to really to really be there. Because I've always said that when you return from your travels, your memories of a place should not be of things you can see on a on a postcard. You know, they sh- your memories should be of experiences shared, insights gained with people that you met there. You know in the context of the pyramids or the Great Wall of China or the Eiffel Tower or whatever it is. Um, but your memory should not be of something you can see on a postcard. I mean, that should not be your only memory of going to Paris as, oh, I saw the Eiffel Tower. Oh, it was so great and beautiful. It lit up at night. You know, all, all that's really cool, but you can see that on YouTube. Um, it'd be, uh, you know, I talked <laughs> to this, this guy, this woman selling things, you know, selling drinks on the sidewalk, and then they went into a cafe and talked to a couple in the next table, and they told me about um, how – you know, the old couple that knew, that remembered somehow the pyramid when it was, or the pyramid, the Eiffel Tower, when, you know, questions that could pop up, insights into, into a country. It could be about anything, sports, sitting in the, in the bar, having an espresso, and then watching a football game, you know, soccer on, on, on the TV and hearing the locals talk about that. It could be anything. But each person's journey is unique, just like a fingerprint. And so it's all those journeys together that create this amazing story of, of life. Wow. Jay, I just have to get another question here with Adam. Um, Adam, you know, saying that, you know, you know what, I'll veer on that question later because I don't want to take away. It was just so powerful what you just said. Um, Jay, I know you had a question for Adam. Yes, Adam, um, you have the Intrepid Traveling book and now your new book, uh, No Mammals Manifesto. Would you tell us about both books? About both books? Um, yeah, yes. well, there are a few others as well that came out earlier in the 90s, but these ones, the Intrepid Traveler I mentioned about my experiences around the world. Uh, the No Mammal Manifesto, um, we didn't make it mentioned earlier in, in your last interview about the um, uh, global warming and the deforestation. Um, you know, tropical deforestation is responsible for about 10% of global warming and species extinction. Um, by far, the, the greatest contributor to deforestation is the beef diet. It's this reliance we have, this expectation we have that we need to have a mammal on our dinner plate um, in order to eat. And, and that's a fallacy because, and not only that, but it's, it's harming our health, it's harming the environment. So the book looks at, um, at, 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 at mammal consumption. Um, you know, I framed the discussion. Some people say they use the euphemism, red meat. But, you know, I, don't, I didn't stop eating meat that was red. You know, I stopped eating meat that was a part of a mammal. Um, so it frames the discussion around that, and it looks at the um, environmental impacts about how, uh, a burger from In-N-Out um, can, is an equivalent of driving around in your car for several hours and leaving the light, back on, light on in the house back home. It, it, it has such a massive contribution to climate change, to deterioration of ecosystems, of, of, of pollution of our waterways, of uh, the killing of uh, these massive um, dead zones off the coasts 
from the nitrates that run down the rivers and into the ocean, um, which um, you know suck the oxygen out of the out of the air out of the water, so that the sea life dies. So I mean, it's it's a it's a ripple effect that 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 um, creates all this environmental damage. It comes back to eating a burger uh, made of cow. So in the book, it advocates and suggests that if you can ask for a turkey or a chicken burger or a veggie burger or, or, or limit your beef burger to just once a week, um, it'll have a massive impact on, on saving the planet. But also health. There's another chapter in the book that looks at all the health implications, linking diabetes, um, linking various forms of cancer, of stroke, of uh, all the complications with obesity, all of this to uh, the eating of uh, mammals, meaning basically cows mm -hmm. and pigs, but also sheep and goats. And so the, the book um, really links, and I look at all of the 17 sustainable development goals that you discussed earlier. I heard you mention that in, in the other interview. Um, each one of them I link um, in some way to, to mammal consumption. And by reducing or eliminating mammals from our diet, we can make a personal and direct contribution to the achievement of uh, the, the sustainable development goals while feeling really good, not only feeling good about it, it uh, in a moral way, but feeling a lot healthier. So you feel good about it. Yeah, I'm doing the right thing. But I tell you, when you, when you cut mammals out of your diet, you stop eating beef and pork, uh, you feel a lot better and you'll live longer. So that's the No Mammal Manifesto. And it's coming out on May 28th, which is National Hamburger Day. So the message is <laughs> National Hamburger Day. That's, that's a great day to, to do it. Stick with the turkey. <laughs> and you eat a turkey burger, yeah. or you have these, um, these, these lot of products coming out that taste just like beef. There's the Beyond Beef, the Impossible Burger, it's phenomenal, made from uh, um, you know plant and plant products and, and derivatives. So um, so you can either, if you want to eat an animal, stick with turkey, but you know check out some of these veggie alternatives. They're pretty amazing. It and sounds like it. That, oh. that, there's been studies that surveyed men, like construction workers. You know, guys are thinking, you know, these guys they need a hamburger, and they've had a blind test to see which one would make them feel more like full and satisfied. And so they had a group of them eat hamburgers and a group of them eat veggie burgers. The group, or they had both, sorry. And, and so first the hamburger and then another day I guess the veggie burger or somehow they did the test. And overwhelmingly they felt more satisfied after the veggie burger than they did with the uh, hamburger. And I talk about that in the book. Well, so the book covers a lot. Wow. It also looks, well, it also know, looks into the cultural reasons to, to, to avoid hamburger and, and what, how what difference differentiates the different mammals, and how they how they communicate with one another and consciousness, and it looks into mammals unlike other animals can share have a consciousness being aware of their surroundings, aware of themselves, and and communicate with one another that other animals don't have. Hmm. I don't know. I have to ask you this: Is there any way for us to get that book ahead of time and buy it <laughs> from you? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, give me an address after this. I'm, I'm getting my first copies tomorrow morning. Uh, yeah, we would. Oh my and it'll God, be available yeah. online early we as well. But, but yeah, send me, your, send me your address and I'll fire one up. I'll send one to you. Yeah, no problem. And, and one of the things, Adam, we wanted to know, this is a, for me, I'm a music person. I've been in the music industry for years and I've been dealing with the UN for years and bringing those two things together. I am really dying to ask you this question since you've worked with the United oh. Nations for 22 years of service. Adam, what do you think about music changing the world and the arts in general, whether you're a painter, a sculptor, or whatever, and how do you think it, um, how do you think it would support solutions for the sustainable development goals? Um, well, uh, first off, the first part of your question is to change the music. Art is the only thing that can change the world. The world's always been in a positive direction. 
It's the only thing, everything is in a positive direction because art, by definition, comes from the soul, from the heart, from a, from a place of purity. Um, art that, is, that, that really can touch the soul and hearts of others. There's pop music, there's some art that comes out commercially geared to make money. And some of it can look kind of good, but it looks very sterile and, and um, you know, looks um, mechanical in a sense. But real music, you know, music from different genres, if it comes from the soul, you kind of get it if you listen with your soul. Whether it's jazz or blues or classical or hard rock, if it's really coming from a place, from, a, from an artistic expression, it's all good. You know, it all, it all resonates. Whereas sometimes music is kind of, mm. somebody wants to create music based on beats, you know, because they went to music school and they studied the mechanics of music and you know, it's all done with the head. When, it, when, when things come from the head, it's like religion. When it comes from the head, you know, it can be quite dangerous. Or it be, you know, it's like, it's, um, there can be tension and there can be, uh, you know, but when it comes from the heart, from the soul, when, it's clear, when it comes out, um, then uh, it can bring positive change. So it's the only thing. And then at the UN, I think, you know, when they brought in musicians, when there's art, um, but the UN is a political process. And so the, 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 the mechanics of the UN, the secretary, you have the secretary, and then you have the agencies, funds, and programs set up through the political process to um, confront various challenges, be they UNICEF with children or World Food Program with hunger or um, UNDP with governance structures, et cetera. Um, but the political structure, by definition, is very cerebral, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But they need to have art. But when you walk around the secretariat, um, you see a lot of art from different countries, the countries that have donated art. And I think that's trying to keep the soul in that building, because otherwise, without that art, it's just a bunch of meeting rooms where heads come together. You know, they, and the interpreters are there translating everything said into six languages. Everything is captured and written uh, intellectually and put in paper and then translated into different languages. And so it's a very cerebral place. Um, but without, so I think they're, I think they're it needs, open. Now. It, it, I think the brain open. without the heart will die, right? The brain without the heart, without the oxygen, absolutely. From, from, uh, it'll die. So we need, the UN needs art. It needs expression like that. It'll, it'll die. Well, we have already approached them about the, the UN, um, about an arts division. Uh, you know, that's something offline, but we think that art from the soul, exactly what you said. And you have to be able to speak the languages of tech, innovation, art and all that. And I think that yeah. the one thing that we have been very blessed with is to be able to do that. And this is some of the medium to do that where we can bring people like yourself on who understands all of those aspects and from traveling, understanding the heart of people. I think that's really, really important. And, um, and I thank you for sharing that. Um, Jay, I know you had a question for Adam as well. Yes, I do. Um, indigenous cultures, what do they know that we don't know about climate? And how can we Which culture? open ourselves? Uh, indigenous. Indigenous. Oh, indigenous culture, yeah. 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 So what do they know that we don't know about climate, and how can we open ourselves up to what they have to offer? I think that's a good question, uh, and, and I'll, I'll broaden it a little bit. The indigenous cultures knew about climate before we messed with it. And to give you one example, and they knew about natural processes before we messed with it. But now, um, and because there was change is a constant. Actually, the only constant. And indigenous cultures got that, and they know the change and things, but they change slowly. And so, in the past, when you know the Sahara Desert was was a was a subtropical forest, um, it d- dried up, and then indigenous cultures moved to the Nile Basin, and they moved around the world. Things have happened slowly. Whereas now, um, you know, Old Crow, where I grew up in the Yukon, is 
calling a state of emergency because of the melting permafrost and, and, the, and the erratic changes that are so unpredictable. Uh, you know, when the tsunami hit um, Thailand, you know, Phuket several years ago, um, and killed all those people, the people who died were mostly from up, up country, you know, Isan or northern Thailand, or the tourists from Scandinavia. Remember that? The tsunami, that earthquake, and yeah. even that yeah. is part of a yeah. natural process. That the indigenous, the indigenous cultures along the coast, further up toward um, Myanmar in the mountains, none of them died. Even the cows and chickens, they packed them all up and they went uphill because they, they, they read the signs. They're in touch. You know, the indigenous cultures, when they listen to the, the elders, um, you know, before all the distractions, it's another story, so I have, you know, the distractions of the modern smartphones that are making us pretty dumb. Um, by, but by listening to, to, to elders, you can actually you can get indigenous knowledge on the smartphones. You can stay smart because being... Um, um, a bit more discerning on, on, on where you focus and get the information. So I'm sure there's a lot of ancient wisdom you can get uh, online, access it to your smartphone, but it's not always used for that. But what I was going to say is that when the, when the uh, tsunami signs, the early signs came in, all those villages, they went up the hill, and then afterwards they came back down and not one died. When the tsunami hit uh, Kyoto in northern, um, northern Japan, I remember reading about this in the New York Times, uh, and wiped out the whole village, and they had that problem with the nuclear plants and all that, and a lot of people died. There are, there are some ancient um, tablets up on the hills overlooking that area that say, do not build below this line. And the tsunami kind of came up to that line and went back down. But they're like, oh, you know, Mosul. You know, I'm saying that, you know, we can, uh, we need to build wherever we can now because a lot of the populations are far greater than they were back then. But there is this indigenous knowledge that understood these slow processes. Whereas now with climate change, we just don't know what's coming. And that's the scary part. There is this natural process of carbon buildup in the atmosphere and the trees deforestate you know, over millennia, you know, millions of years on this planet. But now by pumping all this extra carbon into the atmosphere, we're accelerating the interglacial period. You know, there was glacier that came and subsided and came and subsided. And we're pretty close to the end of this interglacial period, the current one, um, and we're accelerating it so fast that the changes are very unpredictable. And it's just really making life difficult for a lot of people, especially indigenous people, because they're used to planting and harvesting and, you know, they're used to these processes and living in harmony with the nature. So uh, what's coming next? Who knows? It's, um, it's like the, your last guests uh, from Hurricane there. It's, it's quite scary, but, you know, eating fewer hamburgers made of beef, steak, can help a lot. Using public transportation, getting with the program, but putting pressure on our governments to do the right thing because it really has to come with the policy framework. There's only so much the individuals can do. There needs to be a, a global policy framework like we did with uh, the ozone, you know, the Montreal Protocol. Mm. We were able to save the ozone in a sense. Without the Montreal Protocol, we'd probably be, would be very unsafe to go outside right now. But we were able to, to reverse wow. the deterioration of the ozone layer, um, which, is, which protects us from the harmful ultraviolet rays coming from the sun. Without that protocol, which came through the UN process um, that started in Montreal, um, Without that, we wouldn't be going out, going out shirtless on the beach for sure these days. It's still pretty bad in some areas in Australia, but um, it's a lot better than it would have been without that. Now with climate change, we need that. We need something at that level. I don't know if, if the COP wow. process can, can do it, the, the Conference of the Parties, and the, you know, and, you know, UN framework on climate change. But, wow. you know, the one thing's for sure is that the Earth wow. will correct itself. We either can get it together and help so. the correction in a way that makes it come, but the earth will always correct itself. Um, you know, it'll always correct itself. And if it has to do it, so wow. by, um, by, because if the earth becomes very uninhabitable, a lot of the earth, many billions will perish. 
and then the processes that are contributing to the problem will stop. You know, we won't we won't see all these things because most people, you know, this, there'll be far fewer people on the planet afterwards. But then we'll go forth and multiply like we always do. We're quite good at that. That's probably the best thing we're okay. best at. Humans is going forth and multiplying, and we'll repopulate the planet and start over. But hopefully, we'll retain a few of the lessons from this time around. It's not too late yet, but when we get to that point of no return and it collapses, the Earth will correct itself. Yeah, it'll take, you know, 10,000 wow. years. 10,000 10, years, nothing. Geological time. Really, you know, our lives are pretty, you know, they're snaps in the, in the, in the eye of eternity. Um, so wow. over time, 2,000 years, which really means nothing. Um, you know, so if, if something happens, if the ecosystem, biological, if our biodiversity will also expand. There'll be new animals coming out. You know, that's what happens. It's life, life goes on. Whether we're That's so or interesting. Not, kind of yeah. But there's so many of us that are you know, all over this planet. So we will go on in some form or another. Few of us. <laughs> <laughs> but but we but we just need to, you know, we'll get another chance. But I'm I'm a believer in this time. We've got to do everything we can. You know, it's better to be part of the yeah. solution and do everything we can, find the information and work together to try to turn this thing around or try to steer the course. You know, we're headed. Well, one thing, Adam, I do want to ask you, this is, um, you know, this kind of changes my question, my next question, Jay, a little bit based on what he just said. You know, my father was full-blood Cherokee Indian, still speaking the Cherokee um, language. He wasn't a part or a little bit. He was full-blood. And he came from Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and then settled in Ithaca, um, and then eventually went to Virginia. I learned a lot from him, even though we were estranged. And I have a question for you. You know, I had uh, shared an article on Twitter about, uh, or uh, one of my staff members did, about um, indigenous communities looking for more Internet. And I remember you said you spent some time with a a tribe. I can't pronounce. Yes. I want to know what you learned when you spent time with that tribe. What did you learn about the earth? What did you learn about them? What did you learn that we take for granted? Well, the chief is to the sweat lodge, like a real sweat lodge with Manikaja. And um, I learned that when you, you know, and we go into this hut and we bring these hot stones, throw a big fire outside and build these really hot stones in it and douse them with, uh, with water that had some herbs in them and it get really super hot in there and you, can, you chant and it just breaks you. That often when you, when you um, break, when you get that point and you push beyond it and you, and all resistance, it physically kind of collapses around you and then you have this awareness within that um, it all starts from within. And so any decisions made, you need to center within. So that's why you go into sweat lodge ceremonies, kind of to break out the sweat, all the impurities out for one, because afterwards you feel great. But it, there's this process of it kind of breaking off the, the um, almost like scales um, that are our incarnate existence, our bodies. And there's this light, this shimmering being within underneath all that so when the scales come off and they kind of just fall off when you're in the sweat lodge um, and you're chanting and you just and you want to get out you know because you because your ego wants to hold on to all these scales i guess because they're you know, part of your identity but when they break out and you just be you know without any anticipation without any um, identity you just be um become aware of solutions and aware of things in a more positive way i think and so um, 
But, you know, it's kind of discouraging in the years, too. It's, uh, that was Monica Johurley in the 80s, no, the 80s, or the early 90s, right? And um, so like 91, 92. And I went back there with my wife before we got married. We hiked down. She had to hike down. And so I figured that she needed to, to meet me, meet him. And we, so we hiked down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon again. And I went to um, his house. And um, at the time, he only had one kid. And he was safeguarding the culture, the indigenous traditions and all that. Um, and it was the same thing. I used to ride out to the Hopi Mesa, some flight steps on my motorcycle. And my old arrival, these villages that are seven, 800 years old. And life had been relatively unchanged all that time, except through motor-driven vehicles, et cetera. Um, but slowly but surely, so I went back with my wife and I went into his house, and all his kids were um, watching, uh, wearing ACDC T-shirts and watching Freddy Krueger. And I'm like, Monica, what happened? He said, well, you know, you resist so long. And then um, the kid comes in, all this outside culture. But, yeah, it's just still a struggle to find a balance. You, can, you can't keep it out, but you have to try to find a way to um, – let it in, but then transform it and keep it in a positive flow. I don't know how we can do that with Freddy Krueger. <laughs> but, you know, kids watch, want to watch what they want to watch. And same thing with the Hopi Mesas. Over the years, I'd go up to the Hopi Mesas, and kids started wearing, you know, modern T-shirts, and they want, they want to connect with the outside world. So how do you retain this? You know, it's just sad that a lot of this indigenous knowledge and, and respect, I mean, it's still the respect for the elders. I, can't say, I shouldn't say respect, but there's something about this ancient knowledge, about these Hopi Kachinas that go into this kiva underground. I used, to, I used to attend all these, these dances, um, you know, like rain dances where it hadn't rained for months, and they, these kachinas would climb out of a hole in the ground uh, underneath there these, these ceremonies, these temples, under, you know, kiva, they call it under, the underground. They come out and they do this dance around the main square of the village, and uh, sure enough, it rained. I don't know if they, what, they checked the weather report on Google before doing it, but it actually worked. I didn't have Google back then. I was, oh, I was wow. Back in, that was back in... Uh, I started going there. The Hopi Mesa, I go in 1980. Even before I went off to Africa, I had um, traveled down there. The first time I was with them was before. But when I came back from my five-year trip, I, I settled in northern Arizona. And because of my exposure in, wow. in, in all over Africa and all over Asia, and I settled in, in Flagstaff to live with my – I lived with my grandmother there. became roommates, took care of each other. Um, and I went to northern Arizona University. I would spend my weekends out with the indigenous people. I just needed that after being around the world. So I studied during the week, and I'd wow. hang out with my grandma, and then I'd, I'd ride a motorcycle out to the Hopi Mesas or, or uh, you know, the Navajo. You have the, the Apache, the Hualapai, the Havasupai. There are about 50, I think about 52 nations in uh, in Arizona. Wow. Distinct nations. Well, I know Jay had a question. I know Jay had another question for you as well. Jay? Oh, yes, I did, Adam. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to know, what was an experience in your travels that surprised or shocked you? Uh, it's coming. Um, oh, there's so many. I'm trying to think of one that's yeah, I, I think that's what yeah, the shock. Um, okay. Well, some of them seemingly like where you think it's danger, and the people you're in trouble with. Um, Syria, I was arrested. Um, the suspicion of being, that's, I recount this in the book, The Trumpet Traveler, um, of, uh, after a while, in traveling and the exposure, you don't get shocked so much anymore. You just kind of roll with it. But um, being, um, being arrested <laughs> and, uh, and the suspicion of being a spy, um, being able, you have to keep yourself calm, being uh, threatened with torture, interrogated all night, and, wow. and they even had reason they find something in your bags that makes them think maybe, oh, this guy 
because um, I told them I was traveling into Jordan down into Egypt, and they wanted to make sure I wasn't going to Israel. And I said I wasn't at first. Uh, but then they found this note that a friend of mine left, this guy at a youth hostel in Athens, said, when you get to Jerusalem, call me at this number. Um, but, but then I responded wow. that I wasn't going to Israel. I was going to occupy Palestine. I said, but in the end, people, even at war with each other, there's a humanity on both sides. Because um, after that, they made me a guest of the Syrian military police and, and, um, and were quite uh, you know, hospitable and, and generous after that. And, and I, I did go to Israel, of course, after that. And I stayed with... Uh, um, in a kibbutz, you know, Orthodox kibbutz uh, with Orthodox Jews and got to know things from their point of view. Um, there's a humanity even in, in war, but there we get stuck in these entrenched different positions of the us and them when there is just us. So I don't know if that answered your question. Maybe if I had better time to prepare for something, if I'm being shocked. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, well, you know, it's hard to say. This real. That's, that's I think pretty there's a shocking. Shock. Oh, the shock. Here's one. Here's one. Coming back after five years. See, that's more actually okay I'm during the crowd. <laughs> but being away for five years and um and then coming back uh to North America and discovering these things called like ATM machines, uh VHS, you know, with the tapes like a catch up on movies. I had my wisdom teeth pulled and <laughs> um but walking into a restaurant and seeing so many white people, you know, I have like I'm fairly Caucasian even though I have some, some mix when you look at my DNA. But um being um you know, being, you know, when you're used to being, you know, what Caucasians in, in, in Europe and Northern think are in the majority, but in the world, we're really minority, and, you know, percentage-wise. And so when you're used to looking around, actually, here's one. When I was, I hadn't seen an, a mirror or seen um, another Caucasian, another white person in probably a few months. And I was in the south of Sudan and, and um, Uganda and these areas and in northern Tanzania and one, and um, very remote areas. And then seeing, um, and then end up seeing, uh, uh, in the market across the way, seeing uh, a white person um, doing something. I remember, and I said, I think, wow, that person's standing out like a banana in a mango market. And then I looked at my arm, I said, oh, I, must, I guess I'm the same way. <laughs> <laughs> but Africa's like that with the Africans. You don't, they don't, you know, they might have a name for, for like Zungu or Tubabu or something, but it's not a way to draw attention to your, your pigmentation, your color. Um, you, so you don't, you're not made conscious of it so much. You stand out a bit, and maybe people see you as a foreigner, but it's not like a point of us and them. You, they really, they, most Africans, uh, um, they look in your eyes and your heart, and there's like a connection, and they see, like Martin Luther King said, the content of your character, and you kind of get that, and they reserve judgment until they get to know who you are. Whereas, you know, coming from North Canada, I didn't get that so much, but in the U.S. a little bit, um, people look at skin color, and... Um, and being white here, sometimes in some neighborhoods, I have to, I feel like I need to, I'm not a racist white, or I'm not this, because there's this us and them thing. And, um, and on both sides, people look at the, you know, both sides, so there, there is no sides. Um, but in, in, in a sense that you have to, you feel like you have to um, make a statement like who you are, not what you are, kind of, you know. Um, in South wow. Africa, and, when you, and you, as, it goes, as you go further south, it gets like that too in Africa. Further south, you get into Zambia, Malawi, you get to South Malawi, you, in Zimbabwe, you become more conscious of your color. And then, and then in, say, up towards Tanzania, Kenya, Ethiopia, you know, in those areas. Wow. So I was well, you know, to explain. It, this so, is, that was a bit of a shock. No, but I get it. I, I get it. We, and, and Jay and I definitely get it. Here's a question that fits right in with what you're saying. We only have two more questions. 
Adam, based off all your travels and everything else, and, um, you know, people can be competitive, especially in North America, and especially, you know, Adam, I, I can hear the beautiful heart that you have for people and the love you have for people. Jay and I are very much the same way, and we care about people from the soul level, and sometimes it's hard because you do care so much. How do we as people, companies, and groups really collaborate together beyond ego and create a world for all of us to live in with quality? Well, if we knew that for that, <laughs> that would be it. Um, unfortunately, there is ego, and people are in a competitive society are thinking about themselves first instead of us. You know, It's like me and then us, and then there's this them over there. I think it's doing what you're doing, communicating and living from the heart and, you know, bringing in about one at a time, especially mass media like you're doing with this radio station. I think it's, it's, it's a key part of that solution. Um, but it's important, I think, you know, while we care that there's also a Buddhist detachment too, you know, so you, you can care about, but people are on their own path. And so, um, you know, not to get too discouraged, but to stay positive. And, 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 to, you know, and respect there, each other's path. There is a path. plan and there's a correction. Yeah, respect each other's path. And I think in the long run, like I said, there's a correction. If we don't make it this time around, the earth will burp and, and um, rebuild. It'll regenerate. There is The earth is sustainable on a big scale, on a macro wow. scale. Our, our industrialized lifestyle is what we've built here in the past you know, couple of hundred years is not so sustainable. But the big picture is sustainable. And part of that sustainability might be reducing, you know, it's, it, there is a natural process that will correct itself. There will be a balance. It's like an Adam Smith of, 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 the, of the ecosystem. The invisible hand will come through and correct whatever needs to be corrected to restore balance. Because there is, the earth is, you know, is balanced. There is nature in balance. The universe is, has a balance, and a yin and yang, and, um, and that will be restored. Oh. And right now it might be a bit off. And I'm fortunate, blessed, but, you know, but really a couple hundred years, well, we've really messed things up. We're all messing things up. Um, it's just a blink in the eye of eternity. You know, and the universe is just a little that's blink. <laughs> a couple more blinks. And Absolutely. I think we'll come back. So let's try to get it right. <laughs> so let's try to stay. Keep, keep the harmony. You know, it's better. For, and I think there is something special about our species, and there might be a purpose on a soul level. And part of getting it right, okay. if this is a school, if we're all at school here, um, part of getting it right will be keeping the harmony. Yeah, but maybe we, there's also a reincarnation or recycling or something. Or, but there's something special about our species um, that can be very special. Yeah. And then maybe there are other planets, there are other levels of other dimensions, so much out there we're not even aware of yet. But maybe we're all in kindergarten just trying to learn how to live in harmony with our own environment. <laughs> That's the right. truth. Well, Jay, uh, Jay, I know you we, have a last question. That fits right in with what okay. Adam just said. This is amazing. Go ahead, Jay. Oh, we 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 got to have him back on the show. He just said all kind of stuff just in the last. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know, Adam. <laughs> so uh, yeah. we want to get into all that. <laughs> um, Adam, we believe in all generations working together. What are your thoughts on youth or all generations working together? Everybody's got to work together. Um, these generations, I'm still trying to get with this, with, um, with this next gen and, and millennials and all that. Because uh, for me, it's a Thank tough. you. Thank and you. And not to divide it to the year. I don't know if you're born into this year, you're that. 
I can never remember what, what I am. I'm like, I'm born in 63, but there's a name for me. I think I'm like one year, I'm like still a baby boomer <laughs> until 64, but I'm not even sure. I'm just me. And there's just us. And um, we ought to work together, you know, and, and youthful enthusiasm and the new generation, younger kids coming up, you know, when they see that they're part of a solution, then that, and that'll energize them as well more than they, than maybe they're being currently energized. Um, but, uh, well, I, you know, I, and I, older I first, generations, you know, we need to stay connected with the older generations because I think we've kind of lost that in our society or West. You know, it's the older people instead of – because what was, I heard a quote the other day. I wish I could remember the source. It's that the older generations, we tend to ignore them because they remind us of our own mortality. But we need to be reminded of our own mortality. <laughs> Ooh, I love you this. Know, we need to, and, you know, Adam, it's, we need to, it, it's so funny you say this, Adam, because Jay will tell you that all the time he and I talk about – the same, the same things we're talking about with you. And I really feel that the youth are the future. I, when I'm in the UN, I always say, I'm sorry, guys, you're not the future. We all are together. There's no difference between us. We just have age. We have to remember to talk to each other and work together. Yeah. And, and to respect the, UN is, the elders yeah. because they know. Yeah, yeah. So the UN is just one part. The UN is not it's the United Nations. It's more like a United States, but that name was already taken. A state or a na- nation of people. <laughs> Right, <laughs> the state state is a political entity, like a country. The U.S. is a state, Canada is a state, France is a state. Um, whereas a nation really is one nation, and then you can say the nation, the Navajo Nation. Um, you could say the the Irish, you know, the nation of uh, people have a common identity. But so the UN brings together nation states to talk to one another. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. And 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 these nation states have governments that have been elected by, presumably or appointed. Um, but that are supposed to represent the human beings, the nation, the individuals within the borders of that. And even borders, you go to the moon, you look back at the earth, there are no borders. So there's kind of an illusion. It's not an illusion, but it's like a, it's a superficial, ephemeral construct. Um, but there's more outside the UN of connecting. It's like I always say the SDGs, or not the UN's SDGs, because the UN did reach out what was the world we want. They reached out to um, NGOs and, and civil society organizations and schools. And it's really our SDGs. The, the UN really it is. just kind of facilitated. And that was the first time. That's when they were a little bit different from the Millennium Development Goals that came out from 2000 to 2015. And before that, you had Agenda 21. Before that, you also had the development decades of the 60s, the 70s, the 80s um, that were merely much the government saying, okay, here, we have all the answers. This is what we want. But the SDGs really reached out, and it became our SDGs. And then we could meet, you know, the UN's kind of there, and it legitimized them. It gave, put them up on the, on, on the radar. Um, but really, schools meeting with schools and civil society groups meeting with civil society groups and you know, the UN is kind Absolutely. of there as a light. It's like a, it's like a, light, it's a lighthouse, but there's a whole ocean out there. Um, and we need to we can, Absolutely. You know, do it around the UN. And one, one, and one of the things we do is we teach at, at Boys and Girls Clubs every week. We do, we do a whole lot of things that we just keep quiet because we don't feel it's a need to put it out there. But we talk to the regular everyday person on the street because that's where it starts at. It starts at our homes, our families, and our communities. And uh, we don't see age in that. We, I, I'm not saying people don't get older or younger, but we, we're in, in our family structure, it's not that. We just all work together, and that's it. And, um, you know, that's sure. all I can say. And some people we thank you so much. Time. Coming back, how old souls, you know, and how long, I mean, that's another conversation, but you, know, you can meet a seven-year-old, and if that concept is true, that souls kind of migrate through lives, um, the real life of a person might have nothing to do with it. Um, the actual age that's on their on their uh, identity card. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It, that's a definitely that's another conversation, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And Adam, we've, we've run out of time. And Adam, I would hope that you would come back and join us again in the future. I mean, this was really amazing, and we thank you so much. Very welcome. I'll send you my book. Yes, and can you, send an address in, so you, yes, but Adam, can you tell people where to find your book? Can you tell them right now? Well, well, the easiest is on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. So if you access to the internet, just dial up Amazon and type in uh, Adam Rogers, or the intrepid traveler, or no, no Mammal Manifesto, and they come up. Yeah. Well, the No Mammal Manifesto well, is on May 28th, National Hamburger Day. <laughs> yeah. Or AdamRogers.online. No there are links from there, too. All right. Okay. Well, I Thank have you. to tell you that I'm going to definitely get the No Mammal Manifesto from you, but I cannot wait to walk in Barnes & Noble. I have the Intrepid, tra- uh, Intrepid Traveler, but I'm going to walk into Barnes & Noble like I saw you online with it, and I'm actually going to buy a few copies for some family and friends of mine. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, the actual opportunity the no Mammal of Manifesto. picking up the book. <laughs> I, oh, I'm definitely yeah. got to do that. Well, thank you so much, Adam. It was amazing. Very welcome, you Nice to yes. meet both of you. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Nice to meet Bye-bye. you, Adam. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Bye-bye, Adam. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.